Welcome to the Savvy Black Birther, a podcast about all things Black birth. Each week we inspire, cultivate, validate, and protect the voice of Black birthers as consumers of healthcare in the United States. It equips our listeners with evidence-based information so they become savvy healthcare consumers during their pregnancy, birth, and the postpartum. Now here's your host, the community's midwife, Takia Sakina Ballard, certified nurse midwife. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for joining me for episode 10 of the Savvy Black Birther. This episode is the first recording of a new series highlighting biopic birth in America. The truth about black birth. During this series, I will interview biopic families around the country, giving listeners a firsthand account of what is truly happening for black birth in America. My hope is that this will give you a better sense of the climate of birth rather than seeing the statistics that burden our social media feeds. This recording will not only alarm you to the realities, but also uplift you with triumphant stories of hope and strength. Every story featured will be followed by a breaking it down session where I will dissect the birth story, offering listeners consumer education and self-advocacy literacy. Welcome to The Truth About Black Birth, The Chanel Pierman Story. Chanel Pierman is an Emmy-nominated news reporter living in Baltimore, Maryland with her husband and young son. In 2019, just one week after giving birth, Chanel had a stroke that almost cost her her life. Because of the stroke, she unfortunately lost some of her vision and has been recovering ever since. Chanel is now working to use her voice and platform to spread awareness of stroke after birth, as well as healthcare disparities affecting Black women throughout the country. So everyone, I want to thank you for joining us today, and I want to welcome our special guest, Chanel Pierman. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining me. Um, you know, we are struggling in America right now with the disparities that exist in healthcare, specifically for Black women. Black women are faring far worse when it comes down to maternal health and maternal mortality. Um, and we are going into hospital settings, we're going into birth settings, and some of us are not making it out. And some of us are making it out with issues that have plagued us and have affected our lives. And so today we are having a conversation with Chanel. Um, and I want to make sure that you guys are listening and hearing and taking in because Chanel has graciously given us the opportunity to dive into her life. This is a very uh, personal social topic and she has given us permission to have this conversation and to listen in. And so I really want to make sure that uh, we understand the gift that she is giving us and, and thank her for her time today. Um, so Chanel, I want you to take us back to the time when you first found out you were pregnant. Can you remember what your initial thoughts were? Yes, I can. This was actually such a beautiful moment when I first found out that I was pregnant. You know, um, I found out that I was pregnant Labor Day 2018. And at this point, my husband and I just celebrated our second wedding anniversary. 
And we were trying to conceive. We were trying to start a family. And by this point, we were maybe two months into the process. And so when finally I took the test and we find out that we were pregnant, you know, it was such a beautiful moment. We were so excited. We were over the moon and oh my gosh, it was just so beautiful. We were so happy and so excited that, you know, finally our love was able to manifest into creating a child and growing our family. So it was just so beautiful. And someone that was affiliated with this hospital that we knew of, um, because at this point in time, we both had been living and working in the Baltimore, Maryland area. And there was one particular hospital that was just well known for birth and delivery. And so knowing the reputation of this hospital, as well as just personal experiences that I've heard, um, I knew a lot of people personally that had great experiences with this hospital. So I felt comfortable with the kind of care that I was going to receive going there. So I had a gynecologist already set up. And once we found out that, you know, it was go time, I was pregnant, um, it, we decided to meet with our doctor and my husband got to meet her for the first time. And, you know, we felt comfortable at the time thinking, you know, she was well knowledgeable and we thought that we were in good hands at that time. Okay. And so other, you know, you, you did your, your initial appointments, I'm assuming, and had seen the doctor and were there any, were there any things that came up that you thought were odd or different um, in that time, in that early part of your pregnancy? In the early part of the pregnancy, no, um, nothing came up in the beginning. You know, I was healthy. Uh, I had an easy pregnancy for the most part, um, especially in the beginning. Well, I think that, you know, in the beginning I had morning sickness, which, you know, a lot of mothers, new moms kind of suffer from. But besides that, I felt as though everything was good early on. And we felt comfortable with our doctor. We had no real pressing issues to kind of bring to the forefront mm-hmm. at that point in time. Okay. So what were some of the joys and struggles of your pregnancy, both mentally and emotionally? I'm sure you have come to realize that uh, pregnancy involves all of you. you yes. Know? Um, and so what were some of the highs and lows or the joys and struggles of your pregnancy? Honestly, the joys, all of it. The whole process of pregnancy was just such a beautiful experience. And I was fortunate where most of my pregnancy was good. And so then I was able to enjoy just the beauty of my body growing and feeling my body create a human life and, you know, experiencing this with my husband and our families and just all of it was so beautiful. Just watching my body grow and feel my baby move for the first time inside of me. And, you know, just seeing the excitement within our families because this was the first grandchild on both sides. So it was just so beautiful. I think the whole process was amazing. My husband was such an incredible support system for me. He really held it down and made sure I didn't want or need for anything. And just having that support system was just so instrumental in having the majority of my birthing experience be so enjoyable and so great. That's amazing. As a midwife, I hear so many stories of of women speaking from that perspective that they had many joys and really didn't have any problems or concerns or physical or emotional issues during their 
their pregnancy because their their bodies just took to pregnancy. Um, however, there are some who struggle a little bit and, and because pregnancy is such an involved process, you know, of every part of you. And so some people um, may struggle a little bit and that's okay too. Most of the time there, you know, it, it feels like a little bit of a roller coaster. You, you sort of get through the shocker and the, the change, you know, in the first early parts of your pregnancy and you sort of come down and say, wow, okay, reality hit, I'm pregnant, I can do this, my body's changing. And then you go back up to, you know, another process. So, you know, I find that a lot of people describe the, the, that it is really a lot of joys and struggles, but it's also not uncommon to hear that there are many, many joys and very little struggles. And so um, that's a blessing also. Um, so in hindsight, when you look back and you, you know, that idea that hindsight is twenty twenty. when you look back and you review your pregnancy and you review your, your care, do you believe you received excellent care? I believe that I received adequate care up until the end of my pregnancy, which turned out being when I needed the most care and the most support from my doctors. Um, you know, for the most part, like I said, I had a great pregnancy up until that last week. My son was due, his expected delivery date was May 17th. And by that time, you know, May 17th came and went and still no baby. And that was a Friday. And I remember my doctor saying, you know, if the baby doesn't come over the weekend, we'll have a visit for me to see my doctor that Monday after the weekend. And so that was the original plan. And when I went to go see my doctor, there were red flags there were red flags that something wasn't right for me. So I remember bringing my concerns to my doctor. You know, at this point in time, I had a lot of swelling, excessive weight gain, and I just discovered that my blood pressure was higher than normal. And, you know, I brought these concerns to my doctor and I was dismissed. You know, she just kind of dismissed my concerns and was just like, you know, you're okay, your baby's okay. She kept assuring me that everything's okay. Uh, and, you know, I felt like something just wasn't right. So I kind of pushed back a little bit, just, you know, I feel like something's not right. Are you sure? And, you know, because I pushed back a bit, uh, she sent me down to labor and delivery so they could run a few tests. They kept me for a few hours and ultimately sent me home. And, you know, I went home and talking to my husband and I'm just like, you know, I feel like something's not right. And, you know, we're not in the medical profession. So, I mean, at this point, we're just thinking, you know, we have to trust what our doctor is telling us. They ran tests. They have to know if something's wrong. Uh, but still feeling uneasy. I remember messaging my doctor just saying, like, listen, you know, I know labor and delivery didn't catch anything. Is there any way I could be induced sooner? At this point in time, the game plan was for me to be induced that Saturday. So that would be a week and a day after my son was expected to be here, a week and a day after 40 weeks. So I was asking her, you know, is there any way I could be induced sooner? And she's just writing me off again, telling me, you know, I'm okay. My baby's okay. And she's not going to induce me sooner. I'll have to wait until Saturday. And, you know, just told me a few things of, you know, warning signs to look out for and that come in if any issues. So the Saturday mm -hmm. came, May 25th, I ended up delivering my baby boy. I had an emergency C-section to bring him into the world. 
And, you know, obviously just the greatest moment of my life, just being a new mom, finally getting to hold my baby boy, especially after much anticipation. And, you know, after delivering my son, as far as I was concerned, I was healthy. My baby was healthy. Everything was okay. And they sent us home a day and a half later. Unfortunately, I wasn't okay because a week after delivering my son, I ended up having a stroke and I almost died. I almost died having a stroke. And I know my medical records say that this was caused by postpartum preeclampsia, but I honestly felt as though I showed signs of preeclampsia that last week of my pregnancy. And I felt as though if, you know, my concerns were taken seriously and I was induced sooner, I feel as though the stroke would have never happened. This would have been caught sooner. My body wouldn't have been pushed to the limit to the point that my brain was hemorrhaging. So yeah, here I was a new mom with a one week old baby in an emergency room and I had a stroke. And unfortunately because of my stroke, I lost some of my vision And now I've just been spending the past year and a half just recovering and just maneuvering through life as a stroke survivor with now vision loss and being a new mom and just kind of maneuvering through life with all of this. Wow. It sounds like your story um, is um, so unique but also in many ways, so very um, similar to other stories. You know, when I, when I listen to your story, I hear a lot of things that um, are concerning. One being um, that you were dismissed. Voice Messages is designed to give listeners a way to offer spoken feedback to show hosts. Click the link on the show profile and record a message for up to one minute. Click send this message and your question or comment may be featured in an upcoming show. It's that simple. Like what you hear so far? Never miss a show by clicking that subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you, so thank you so much for your support. Now, back to the show. It's that time in a show where we feature this week's Savvy Black Birther question. Let's hear what they have to say. This week's listener question is from a Sakina Health follower on Instagram. The follower would like to have advice on getting pregnant with PCOS. First, if you have PCOS, know you've done nothing wrong to cause this. The exact cause of PCOS is medically unknown. While it is estimated that 5 to 10% of birthing people of childbearing age have PCOS, myths like women with PCOS will suffer infertility have people believing that there's no hope. Both conventional and natural treatment regimens have proven successful in managing PCOS and the reversal of associated infertility. Some conventional treatments include anti-diabetic medications, hormones, uh, medications to maintain normal cholesterol levels, 
hair growth uh, inhibitors. Now, if you're looking for more natural treatment regimens, there are self-care techniques for overall health and wellness like exercise and healthy eating, and inevitably this will reduce uh, weight. Um, and then also there are herbal remedies that uh, will support that as well. And individuals who are looking at natural remedies or conventional treatment regimens um, notice that they are able then to um, become pregnant or, or are actually um, working with physicians and, and care providers to get pregnant and have had much success. PCOS is a healthcare concern with many symptoms that may not be known to every sufferer. So again, not every person will suffer from infertility. The polycystic ovaries being one of those uh, symptoms not, that everyone doesn't have. And so not all birthing people who live with PCOS have polycystic ovaries, nor do they all struggle to conceive. So just understand that. The name is very misleading and there is currently a push to rename the syndrome to help in the effort to debunk the myths around the healthcare concern so that individuals like yourself are more educated and have um, better understanding of their symptoms. So if you've been diagnosed or think you may have PCOS, consider seeing a trusted healthcare professional who has success with PCOS treatments and takes a well-rounded, and I, I really stress that, a well-rounded approach to treating this condition because it's not just medications, um, it's also healthy living and healthy lifestyle that we have seen that has uh, made a dramatic uh, difference in uh, symptomology, meaning the symptoms that you uh, experience and also any associated infertility that one might be experiencing. So I hope that this information is um, helpful to you and that you understand PCOS just a little bit more. So I would encourage you to take this information uh, to a healthcare provider, but before that, really, really do your research to make sure you're finding a well-rounded healthcare professional that considers both the conventional and the natural treatment regimens. Wishing you well. Now back to our show. So, you know, when you think about your birth and, and especially your story when it comes down to having experienced it and then looking at it, you know, probably from all angles, I'm sure you have between you and your spouse and your family. How do you think that process of not being heard? What do you think that did? Though that's what ultimately altered everything. I feel as though, you know, I agree with what you said, you know, I looked at this in so many different angles, just stewing over all of this, you know, just thinking if one little thing would have changed and, you know, I know sometimes I could not be healthy, but um, yeah, I for sure believe that just not being heard, not being listened to, that is what changed the course of what was just such a beautiful experience. You know, like you said, my pregnancy was so beautiful and so great. And just the joys of being a new mom was just so incredible. And that experience was robbed from me ultimately because my voice wasn't heard and it was dismissed. And granted, I couldn't quite articulate what was wrong. I not in the medical field. So I couldn't necessarily say one way or another what was wrong, but I just knew that something wasn't right. And I had the signs there. And I guess because I didn't check off certain boxes, I was just dismissed. Whereas, you know, if my voice was heard and I was taken seriously and I wasn't due sooner, 
these were things that I felt like wouldn't happen. The domino effect wouldn't have happened. Perhaps. Um, Have you had time to think um, what made it so that you weren't heard? Do you have any ideas if you, you know, since you've looked back at your story and from so many different angles that you could possibly, you know, look, do you have any take on why do you, why do you think you weren't heard? I honestly don't know. I honestly don't know why I wasn't heard. I know that, you know, I did show some symptoms. Maybe they weren't as severe as, you know, some, I guess they weren't severe enough for the doctor to take seriously, but the signs were definitely there. So I'm not sure why my concerns weren't taken seriously. Mm -hmm. You know, some believe that um, it's a racial thing, that um, biases exist and and that women are not listened to simply because of the, the color of their skin. And while that is a very true statement, I find that there's also other, you know, factors that are involved in why women aren't listened to or heard. Um, and I, I, one of my personal beliefs, and, and I can actually say maybe even professional beliefs, is that uh, women aren't really heard, not only because of the color of their skin, specifically Black women. But the other piece that I think is because... Um, we have this idea in, a, in the American healthcare system that the expert, meaning the healthcare provider, is more knowledgeable um, than the patient or the healthcare consumer, that your words are not important. And so therefore, there's no way that you could know because I know more than you. Um, that is the way in which we practice uh, healthcare in this, in this uh, country. And I find that when healthcare providers do not listen to patients, it's, it has a lot of uh, those um, ideals that we're the experts. So we know more clearly, you're not fitting the mold, you're not fitting the standard, you're not fitting um, the, the, the list that I have of checkoffs in terms of signs and symptoms. So therefore there could be nothing wrong with you um, because I didn't find it out. It wasn't something that I diagnosed and so therefore you're fine. Um, whereas you knew something was wrong, your word and your heart and your expressions weren't, um, received because you were not seen as the expert. Um, so I, I wonder if, you know, if, if you believe that potentially racism might be a, an effect or was it indeed perhaps because you were just not seen as someone who could possibly have any, um, expertise in how you, your body that's a very good question I honestly don't know and I can't speak as to the mindset of the doctor but all of that mm-hmm. could possibly played a role you know I they definitely could have played a role mm. like I said you know I'm not a medical expert so I definitely took that role in you know, I know something's not right, but my doctor's telling me I'm okay. The doctor's telling me my baby's okay. And just kind of taking that role, which in hindsight, you know, I should have fought harder or I should have, even though I was 41 weeks pregnant, going to go see another doctor and find someone who would have heard my concerns. You know, I definitely think that we as a patients need to take a bigger role in our healthcare and not just solely rely on doctors because doctors and medical experts are human and things can happen. And 
you know, this is a huge example of people knowing their own bodies and knowing when something isn't right. And where a medical health expert didn't necessarily pick something up and it almost cost me my life. Absolutely. It, and I'm, I'm grateful that it did not. I'm grateful that you were saved. But one of the questions that I do have for you is how have your days, how has your life been since you've had this life-changing experience? Because a stroke is not something that anyone uh, should take lightly. It's, it's, it's definitely a life-changing um, you know, occurrence. It, something serious happened to your body. And I'm sure that there are some, um, what we in, in the healthcare uh, environment call sequelae. You know, there are some outcomes, some negative outcomes that might've happened to you physically. Um, would you mind sharing with how you felt? Yes, or- I've had so many changes to my body, to my brain, just so many different functionals that are now different. Um, the biggest deficit I would say for sure is my vision loss. I lost the left peripheral vision in both of my eyes. So that has had big impact on my day-to-day life. Um, you know, I haven't worked since all of this has happened. I haven't even driven a car since all of this has happened. Um, so just things like that, um, you know, it's difficult doing certain things because of my vision loss. And also not even just with the vision loss, but there are also cognitive issues post-stroke that I deal with. You know, I have a lot of anxiety and a lot of depression because of everything that has happened. You know, I went from the greatest moments of my life, the highest of highs, to arguably the worst moments of my life and the scariest, most tragic and also just the functionality of my brain has been different post-stroke. Things that used to come easy to me don't come as easy as they used to be. Even something as simple as watching sports, something I used to love doing with my husband, can't necessarily do that anymore. Not just because of the vision loss, but my brain processing the plays and what's happening. It's it doesn't quite function the way that it used to. And my life has changed drastically because of it. Now that's the negative, but positive, you know, I definitely try to be a positive person and you know, take in and be grateful for the things that I have. Number one, my life still being here. And also just my son, my son is here. And, you know, just being able to hold him every day and kiss him and watch him grow, that has been such a huge blessing. It's such a huge moment for me. What advice or words of wisdom would you give our listeners, you know, taking into account your experiences from the first time you found out you were pregnant and, you know, you had started this life between you and your husband um, and now you are on the other side, your son is, is over one, one and a half and you are now um, a full-time mother and you um, have, you know, had some loss in your life. You're, you're not working currently and you're, you've had some deficits and you're trying to, you know, create a, a new way of living and, and change all of those things and, you know, keep moving forward. So if you can look at, you know, your, your life and review and, and sort of fast forward again what words of wisdom would you give listeners, people who may um, be coming up on a pregnancy or looking to become pregnant or are currently pregnant? 
and want to engage in the healthcare system. My biggest piece of advice to be your own biggest advocate. You know, there's so many times and so many cases where patients kind of take the submissive role and just listen to whatever it is that the doctor says and use what the doctor says as law. When in actuality, we know our bodies. Being the patient, no one is going to know your body better than you. Granted, of course, sometimes you have to do listen to the doctor, but if when you know something isn't right, you have to speak up and not take no for an answer. And if your doctor isn't doing their job and not giving you the results that you want, you need to find a doctor or someone that will. And in hindsight, you know, I wish I would have, I wish I would have truly listened to my body and kind of honed in on getting the health care that I needed and deserved at that point in time. Thank you so much for um, giving that word of wisdom to listeners. And, you know, as a midwife, just, you know, to speak life and healing into you, um, I would like to say to you that while you have that thought that you wish you would have, it is also the responsibility of healthcare providers in any discipline, that is midwifery, uh, physicians, physician's assistants, nurses, to always defer to you, to always listen to you. And so no matter what you think about your circumstance and what happened to you, please know that it is also our responsibility. You know, I'm sorry that you were not listened to because I think that, you know, had you were, like you said, perhaps your situation and outcome might have been different. And so please take away from, you know, this experience and even this conversation that we are having that we owe you as patients, you know, healthcare providers owe you that very, very small, but in some ways very significant part. And that is to give you the respect um, and also the, the uh, position to speak your truth and to respect it and understand it and to never judge it, but to follow through with um, your, your desires. And I find that, you know, based on what you've, you've said in your story, as you've let us um, into your life a little bit, you mentioned that, you know, it was that push that pushed your doctor to uh, have you be seen at labor and delivery. Had you not done that, perhaps that wouldn't have happened either. So, you know, you did push and you did advocate for yourself. It was the not listening to you that was. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Savvy Black Birther. And a special thank you to my guest, Chanel Pierman, for graciously gifting us with her story. Maya Angelou, one of our people's most beloved and celebrated poets and authors, says, You may not control all the events that happen to you, but you can decide not to be reduced by them. And Chanel, my love, you're doing just that. Blessings to you. Community, we must tell our stories. This is how our ancestors survived. Maya Angelou also says that there's no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside you. Black people speak. As I always say, when education and empowerment meet, decision-making capabilities improve, individuals are confident to stand for themselves and communities are no longer paralyzed by fear, but mobilized towards a desired outcome. We have to be radical in our pursuit of safe and unbiased healthcare. 
Angela Davis says that radical simply means grasping things at the root. And I believe that being radical first starts with being educated and empowered. Next week, we're going to break down the Chanel Pyramid story. What is preeclampsia and why is it plaguing our community? I will offer this educational component to provide self-advocacy principles and consumer education to listeners. Thanks for joining me this week on the Savvy Black Birther. Make sure to visit my website, Sakina Health, that's S-A-K-I-N-A health.net, where you can find evidence-based information, resources, and more. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, I'd appreciate a rating or a review. And don't forget to tell a friend or a family member. This will help me reach many more Black birthing families. Thank you so much for listening and be sure to tune in for the next episode. Be informed, be equipped, and be savvy Black birthers.